It's happening. We're doing this. Welcome to Dead House, Goosebumps number one. Grab your books, grab a drink, grab a snack, and let's get Goosebumps. Hey everybody, it's Rhino, and I just want to say welcome to the first episode of Let's Get Goosebumps. This is going to be the series where we try and read every one of the Goosebumps books, the original 62 books by R.L. Stein, in the year 2022 to celebrate the 30th anniversary. So, every book uh, by December 31st at 11.59pm. That is the goal, and welcome. This is the first episode, like I said, which means we are going in order, and uh, book number one is Welcome to Dead House. Um, somebody did ask me before we get started, I just want to say um, a couple of things that came up since I did the little announcement teaser is some people asked for um, like a schedule or anything and uh, to keep us all kind of on track or if you're reading along just so you know how long you have. I want to say that as of the publication of this, if you want to read every single book by the 31st of 2022, December 31st, 2022, you are going to need to read a book every five days uh, from here on out. It could be, um, you, it feels insane to say that, but um, they're they're good, fun, quick reads, so you can get a couple done in an afternoon if you're worried about that, you know, so it, it shouldn't be too bad to do, because just think about that, it's like two a week, and, you're, and you'll be more than okay, or five a month and a little bit more, although that would have been five a month for the whole year year. And since this is starting at the end of February 2022, that kind of puts you a little behind here. But um, we are going to be going in the release order, in the chronological order. I know the original, the original, original, original printings for the first couple Goosebumps books did not have the uh, number on the, the side, but um, these are technically still the original printings. But number one, welcome to Goosebumps. Welcome to Goosebumps. <laughs> number one, welcome to Dead House uh, is where we're going to start. And for moving forward, it'll be, you know, two, three, four, one after the other after this. So if you're uh, just wondering where one of your favorites is going to pop up, just consult a master list of the entire series and you'll kind of know where we're going there. So um, with uh, without further ado, let's dive in. So uh, welcome to Dead House. Like I said, this kicked off... I just threw the book. <laughs> this kicked off the, uh, the, the, the Goosebumps series. This was originally released in July of 1992 so we are coming up the 30th anniversary will be the summer of 2022 um but according to the goosebumps wiki which is like incredibly uh detailed and everything so if anybody's ever got a some uh time to kill in a rabbit hole they want to fall down check that out but uh welcome to dead house is apparently the most re-released goosebumps book uh it's 123 pages long the cover art is by tim uh Jacobus. Uh, my friend said Jacobus. I said Jacobus because I don't know when I see a word inside of another word. So I see Jacob us. So I got to research actually how to say that because I feel a little disrespectful not having done that ahead of time. So apologies out there, Tim, who does this amazing cover art for almost the entire series. I think there's only a, a select number of books that he didn't do the, the cover art for originally, but then did the reprints. Um, but uh, the cover tagline here, uh, the book, the 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 the, uh, the art is uh, you know classic, scary looking kind of haunted house sort of a thing with some creepy monster like thing looking through the front window. I don't know what that is or how that that comes about or whatever. Maybe that's just me. What I look like when I wake up in the morning. But the little tag on the front here says, "It will just kill you," uh, which is already that is 
right there, boom, I feel like that line alone, saying the word kill on top of this fourth grade reading level book is amazing. Um, on the back here, it says, look alive. Amanda and Josh think the old house they've just moved into is weird. Spooky, possibly haunted. And the town of Dark Falls is pretty strange too, but their parents don't believe them. You'll get used to it. They say, oops, sorry, I can't read. You'll get used to it, they say. Go out and make some new friends. So Amanda and Josh do, but these new friends are not exactly what their parents had in mind because they want to be friends forever. Um, reader beware, you're in for a scare. And at this time it says, also available from R.L. Stein, Stay Out of the Basement, and Monster Blood. Uh, and then little R.L. 4, reading level 4. I believe uh, 8 through 12 is the, the age group here, but uh, age is just a number. Uh, so, yeah, so what I'm going to do now is kind of just go through and, um, take you through the book, through the plot, okay? And then I, I made some notes in, in here, and I'm going to read from some sections of the book, and then at the end I'm going to give you my overall thoughts. So, if you are in the future, that is kind of the format I'm sticking to right now. Uh, you know, if it doesn't, if people don't really like it, I guess I can figure something else out. But I just thought it would be fun because there, I'm sure there are some people out there who just get really swarmed, uh, and swamped and kind of run out of time to be able to read. So I didn't want them to feel like they're not getting the book. So I kind of used a little bit of the wiki page again, um, to kind of, uh, but I rewrote it as I, cause I was, some of it, I was like, you're leaving out important stuff. Or, you know, there was, like, minutia details. And I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't need to be in here. So, um, again, if you ever want uh, something like that to uh, take you down a rabbit hole, you've got it right there. So, I'm sorry. I thought my computer has my text uh, muted. And apparently, it does not. So, I am going to mute those right now. Uh, however I do this, I have a new computer. Um, so, this is a little... Uh, difficult for me right now. So anyway, there we go. Okay. So without further ado, I've already said that twice this time, but let's dive in to Welcome to Dead House. So our main characters are Amanda Benson, who is 12, and her younger brother, Josh, 11. The story starts with the Benson family standing outside of a house in the town of Dark Falls. I mean, there's nothing nothing creepy about that town name, right? Mr. Benson has inherited uh, this house from a great uncle that he never knew existed, so the family is there with their dog, Petey, that I feel like they're kind of awful to throughout the entire book, and the local real estate is there as well, and his name is Compton Dawes, who is described as being like 30 years old or something like that. They made him like very old in the in the episode of the show but amanda josh and the dog pt right away have a feeling that something is not quite right with this place despite the fact that it's the middle of july the entire neighborhood seems shady literally uh so the house is an enormous dark antique home with two large bay windows on the second floor that look kind of like this creepy pair of dark eyes so josh is throwing this like tantrum in the driveway and just being difficult but amanda decides to go into the house and explore her new room where she catches a glimpse of this boy standing in her doorway that disappears into the hallway this girl just brushes this off like now for me I'd basically be like, yeah, this house, it's ruined. Because if you start hearing or seeing things weird, like before you've even moved in, history tells us it's not going to go well. So uh, the adults kind of just are always ignorant in these type of stories to the matters of the paranormal, aren't they? So they're just like, Amanda, you're crazy. Um, 
or just brush it off. I don't even think they acknowledge her. So, um, so, but Amanda is even like, oh, whatever, uh, whatever. It's just, it's just my head. Must have been a random kid in my new house, you know, as as you often find in these houses when you move in. Just kids. Um, so she goes outside to tell her brother Josh about it, but he and Petey are gone, and everyone has to pile into the car. They drive around town to look for the two of them, and this is when Amanda starts to think it's kind of weird that there aren't any people uh, that are out in the houses or yards or streets or anything like that, even though it is the middle of the day. So eventually the group find Josh trying to catch Petey amongst the gravestones of the Dark Falls Cemetery. Like, what? Honey, no. No. Just leave them for dead and move on with your lives at this point. Kindly reject the estate or uh or or just have it sold or whatever and um but but of course if they did that there would be no story, right? Um I wonder if we're just all like anybody that was born in this generation of younger horror and and uh you know Stephen King novels, Arl Stein, stuff like that, that like we're just much more like you'll never catch us just buying a house where they're like, Well somebody died here and you'd be like, I mean, I guess that has to happen eventually, right? But it's just one of those things where you're like I don't know. Ignorance is bliss, but then you move in and everything's haunted. I don't know. I'm going, I'm going down a, I, I, I digress. So, um, the kid's father, Jack ends up catching Petey and putting him on a leash, despite how frantic his behavior is. And yeah, this is one of my problems with the family. Like, Hey, put your dog on a leash. I don't know how many people in this neighborhood I live in here have decided that, Oh, it's okay. My dog doesn't, it doesn't, they don't run away. And then the next thing I know, they're lunging after my dog who is on a leash. So mm -hmm. just put your dog on a leash. It's the law. Okay. Um, anyway, the, the, also this is a new property. This is a new house. What are you thinking? This dog doesn't know where he is. Um, but, but anyway, the family drops off Mr. Dawes at his real estate office in Dark Falls, where he mentions to the Bensons that they can come back the following week to finalize the contracts for the house. So the family calls it a day, heads back home to their old neighborhood, which is like four hours away. Uh, Amanda has to say goodbye to her bestie, Kathy. And then before we know it, it's moving day. It's rainy. It's windy. It, it, it's just like, hello, another omen. You know, like how many things can go wrong at this point? Uh, well, more, because that's the story. <laughs> so also upon moving in, Amanda has curtains that kind of go crazy in the middle of the night and hears voices in her closet. Girl, come on now. She continues to see other children in her home and hearing strange noises. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I, I used to be the type of kid, like the closet, the type of kid. I'm still the type of adult. The closet door has to be closed at night because I don't want the boogeyman from Ghostbusters coming through that thing. I don't want Howie Mandel reaching up under my bed. I am messed up for life for all these things, so I can't even... I guess this was 1992. Things were different. <laughs> but uh, she continues seeing these other kids in her home and hearing strange sounds. She also has this like crazy dream that I thought was like really kind of spooky. Um, so I'm going to read from the book now for this part, uh, because the entire chapter is actually like a little terrifying if I'm being honest. Um, so if you're following along and you have your book, it's on chapter six, we are going to page 41. Um, and she says, uh, but then I must've drifted off without realizing it. I don't know how long I slept, an hour or two at the most. It was it was a light, uncomfortable sleep. Then something woke me. I sat straight up, startled. Despite the heat of the room, I felt cold all over. Looking down at the end of the bed, I saw that I had kicked off the sheet and light blanket. With a groan, I reached down for them, but then froze. I heard whispers. Someone was whispering across the room. Who Who's there? My voice was a whisper, too tiny and frightened. 
I grabbed my covers and pulled them up to my chin. I heard more whispers. The room came into focus as my eyes adjusted to the dim light. The curtains, the long, sheer curtains from my old room that my mother had hung that afternoon were fluttering at the window. So, that explained the whispers. The whispers. The whispers. Well, way to kill them. Way to kill the momentum. The billowing curtains must have woken me up. A soft gray light floated in from outside. The curtains cast moving shadows onto the foot of my bed. Yawning, I stretched and climbed out of bed. I felt chilled all over as I crept across the wooden floor to close the window. As I came near, the curtains stopped billowing and floated back into place. I pushed them aside and reached out to close the window. Oh! I uttered a soft cry when I realized that the window was closed. But how could the curtains flutter like that with the window closed? I stood there for a while, staring out at the grays of the night. There wasn't much of a draft. The window seemed pretty airtight. Had I imagined the curtains billowing? Were my eyes playing tricks on me? Yawning, I hurried back through the strange shadows to my bed and pulled the covers up as high as they would go. Amanda, stop scaring yourself, I scolded. When I fell back to sleep a few minutes later, I had the ugliest, most terrifying dream. I dreamed that we were all dead. Mom, Dad, Josh, and me. At first, I saw us sitting around the dinner table in the new dining room. The room was very bright, so bright I couldn't see our faces very well. They were just a bright white blur. But then, slowly, slowly, everything came into focus, and I could see that beneath our hair, we had no faces. Our skin was gone, and only our gray-green skulls were left. Bits of flesh clung to my bony cheeks. There were were only deep black sockets where my eyes had been. The four of us, all dead, sat eating in silence. Our dinner plates, I saw, were filled with small bones. A big platter in the center of the table was piled high with gray-green bones, human-looking bones. And then, in the stream, our disgusting meal was interrupted by a loud knocking on the door, an insistent pounding that grew louder and louder. It was Kathy, my friend from back home. I could see it at our front door, pounding on it with both fists. I wanted to go answer the door. I wanted to run from the dining room and pull open the door and greet Kathy. I wanted to talk to Kathy. I wanted to tell her what had happened to me, to explain that I was dead and that my face had fallen away. I wanted to see Kathy so badly, but I couldn't get up from the table. I tried and tried, but I couldn't get up. The pounding on the door grew louder and louder until it was deafening, but I just sat there with my gruesome family picking up bones from my dinner plate and eating them. I woke up with a start, the horror of the dream still with me. I could still hear the pounding in my ears. I shook my head, trying to chase the dream away. It was morning. I could tell from the blue of the sky outside the window. Oh, no. The curtains. They were billowing again, flapping noisily as they blew into the room. I sat up and stared. The window still closed. Girl, burn this house to the ground. Your parents should have insurance. Uh, That next day... Okay, she has this crazy... You know, dreams are dreams, whatever. Here's the thing. You got curtains floating around with no air draft? Get out. Uh, But the, the... So she has this dream. She wakes up. The next day she sees another kid in her house again. And what... And and what would be actually a pretty awesome jump scare, I feel like, uh, that would cause me to do the movie theater popcorn shake. But I I just want to read that one really quick because it just... It's... This is how it always happens in the book. She just turns and they're like there. So she says, wiping off my hands on the front of my robe, I headed for the stairs. I'll be dressed in five minutes. I called to Josh, who was still arguing with dad in the living room. Then we can go out. I started up the front stairs and then stopped. Above me, on the landing, stood a strange girl, about my age, with short black hair. She was smiling down at me. Not a warm smile, not a friendly smile, but the coldest, most frightening smile I'd ever seen. Yeah, girl. Uh, You got problems. Uh... She also, I can't, um, I said to read through the top of page 49, but, uh, I don't remember why. So anyway, um, 
so whatever. I guess the kids are like, might as well keep on living our lives and just chalk this up to nothing. But, you know, they're kids too. They're 12 and 11, so who knows? I mean, I would I was afraid of, like, everything, and I still am all the time. So uh, Amanda and Josh start meeting some of these, like, weird local kids after this, starting with Ray Thurston, who seems friendly enough. Like, he seems like maybe he's going to be all right, but the rest are weirdos and not... Not like the fun, we're the weirdos, mister, type, but more like the, we hurt animals in our spare time type. So um, these melatonin-deprived children keep saying that they used to live in the Dawes' home, too, which is very, like, how many people lived in this house before you? So we flash forward, like, two weeks. Petey goes missing, and again, I would just like to pause and say how awful this entire family is with dog ownership, okay? So if we turn to page 71... Um, we're going to go to, but Petey didn't calm down. Uh, and about two weeks later, we were finishing up a softball game with Ray and Karen Somerset and Jerry Franklin and George Carpenter and a bunch of other kids. When I looked over to the fence and saw that Petey was gone, somehow he had broken out of his leash and run away. We looked for hours calling Petey, wandering from block to block, searching front yards and backyards, empty lots and woods. Then after circling the neighborhood twice, Josh and I finally realized we had no idea where we were. The streets of Dark Falls looked the same. They were all lined with sprawling old bricks or shingle houses, all filled with shady old trees. I don't believe it. We're lost, Josh said, Josh said, leaning against a tree trunk, trying to catch his breath. That stupid dog, I muttered my eyes, searching up the street. Why did he do this? He's never run away before. I don't know. Maybe because you keep calling him stupid. Uh, I don't know how he got loose, Josh said, shaking his head, then wiping his sweaty forehead with the sleeve of his t-shirt. I tied him up real well. Hey, maybe he ran home, I said. The idea immediately cheered me up. Yeah, Josh stepped away from the tree and headed back over to me. I'll bet you're right, Amanda. He's probably been home for hours. Wow, we've been stupid. We should have checked home first. Let's go. Well, I said, looking around at the empty yards, we just have to figure out which way is home. I looked up and down the street, trying to figure out which way we'd turn when we left a school playground. I couldn't remember, so we just started walking. Luckily, as we reached the next corner of the school, came into sight we had made a full circle it was easy to find our way home from there passing the playground i stared at the spot on the fence where Petey had been tied up that troublemaking dog he'd been acting so badly ever since we came to dark falls would he be home when we got there i hope so a few minutes later josh and i were running up the gravel driveway calling the dog's name at the top of our lungs the front door door burst open and mom her hair tied in a red bandana the knees of her jeans covered with dust leaned out she and dad had been painting the back porch Where have you two been? Lunchtime was two hours ago. Josh and I both answered at the same time. Is Petey here? We've been looking for Petey. Is he here? Mom's face filled with confusion. Petey, I thought he was with you. My heart sank. Josh slumped to the driveway with a loud sigh, sprawling flat on his back in the gravel and leaves. Dramatic. You haven't seen him, I asked, my trembling voice showing my disappointment. He was with us, but he ran away. Oh, I'm sorry, Mom said, motioning for Josh to get up from the driveway. He ran away. I thought you would have been keeping him on a leash. You've got to help us find him, Josh pleaded, not budging from the ground. Get the car. We've got to find him right now. I'm sure he hasn't gone far, Mom said. You must be starving. Come in and have some lunch, and then we'll... No, right now, Josh screamed. What's going on? Dad, his face and hair covered with tiny flecks of white paint, joined Mom on the front porch. Josh, what's all the yelling? We explained to Dad what had happened. He said that he was too busy to drive around looking for Petey. Too busy to go look for their dog. Mom said she'd do it, but only after we had some lunch. Girl, this dog. What? I would not, if this had happened, I would just be like, I, I wouldn't be resting. I wouldn't be eating. I wouldn't be doing anything. I'd be going out of my mind. I pulled Josh up 
by both arms and dragged him into the house. We washed up and gulped down some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Then mom took the car, you know, portable food you could have took with you. Then mom took the car out of the garage and we drove around and around the neighborhood searching for our lost pet with no luck. No sign of him. Josh and I were miserable, heartbroken. Mom and dad called the local police. Dad kept saying that Petey had a good sense of direction that he'd show up any minute, but we didn't really believe it. Where was he? The four of us ate dinner in silence. It was the longest, most horrible evening of my life. I tied him up really good, Josh repeated, close to tears, his dinner plate still full. Dogs are great escape artists, Dad said. Don't worry, he'll show up. Some night for a party, Mom said glumly. I'd completely forgotten that they were going out. Some neighbors on the next block had invited them to a big potluck dinner party. I feel like they're going to a keys in the bowl dinner party, and their dog, which is their third child, is just on the loose. Some people. Anyway, that night, Josh comes into Amanda's room later, and he's it's like the middle of the night at this point, uh, and he says that he thinks Petey probably went to the cemetery just like last time. Also, it's now uh, that Amanda sees yet another child in her room. So if we go to the bottom of page 77, she said, uh, my brother has to be the stubbornest, most headstrong person in the world. Josh, you're really going to walk into a strange cemetery so late at night. I asked. I'm not afraid, he said, shining the bright light around the room. For a brief second, I thought the light circle caught something lurking behind the curtains. I opened my mouth to cry out, but there was no one there. That would have scared the bejesus out of me in a movie theater, no question. But um, So like I said, the parents aren't home yet either. Um, they've gone to that, that potluck dinner still down the street. So the Benson kids head out to check the cemetery. They bump into Ray, who warns them about being out so late. And yeah, we know, Ray. Why are you out so late, you creep? They get to the cemetery, and the dog is there acting all weird. They try to catch him. He smells awful. They're awful dog owners. I'll keep saying it the entire time. Go to the bottom of page 87. Let's read about how awful they are yet again. Um, Petey, what's wrong with you? I called to the dog. He didn't respond. Don't you remember your name? Petey, Petey. Yuck, what a stink, Joss exclaimed. We've got to get him home and give him a bath, I said, my voice shaking. I felt really sad and frightened frightened maybe this isn't Petey. josh said thoughtfully the dog's eyes again glared red in the beam of light it's him all right i said quietly look he's dragging the leash go get him josh and let's go home you get him josh cried he smells too bad just grab his leash you don't have to pick him up i said no you josh was being stubborn again i could see that i had no choice okay i said i'll get him but i'll need the light i grabbed the flashlight from josh's hand and started to run toward Petey. sit Petey. sit i ordered it was the only command Petey over ever obeyed but he didn't obey it this time instead he turned and trotted away holding his head down low Petey, stop Petey, come i yelled exasperated don't make me chase you don't let him get away josh yelled running up behind me i moved the flashlight from side to side along the ground where is he Petey, Petey! josh called sounding shrill and desperate i couldn't see him oh no don't tell me we've lost him again i said we both started to call we both started to call him what's wrong with that mutt i cried girl 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 i moved the beam of light down one long row of gravestones then moving quickly down the next no sign of him we both kept calling his name uh i'm just gonna keep uh i'm just gonna keep reading this a little bit because here's where um this is when they find some uh, interesting gravestones uh and then the circle of light came to rest on the front of a granite tombstone reading the name on the stone i stopped short and gasped josh look i grabbed josh's sleeve i held on tight Huh, what's wrong? His face filled with confusion. Look, the name on the gravestone. It was Karen Somerset. Josh read the name. He stared at me, still confused. That's my new friend, Karen. The one I talk to on the playground every day, I said. Huh. 
It must just be her grandmother or something, Josh said, and then added impatiently, come on, look for Petey. No, look at the dates, I said to him. We both read the dates under Karen Somerset's name, 1960 to 1972. It can't be her mother or grandmother, I said, keeping the beam of light on the stone despite my trembling hand. This girl died when she was 12, my age, and Karen is 12 too. She told me. Amanda, Josh scowled and looked away. But I took a few steps and beamed the light onto the next gravestone. There was a name on it I'd never seen, heard of before. I moved on to the next stone, another name I'd never heard of. Amanda, come on, Josh whined. The next gravestone had the name George Carpenter on it, 1975 to 1988. Josh, look, it's George from the playground, I called. Amanda, we have to get Petey, he insisted, but I couldn't pull myself away from the gravestones. I went from one to the next, moving the flashlight over the engraved letters. To my growing horror, I found Jerry Franklin. I'm getting tongue-tied. And then Bill Gregory. All the kids we had played softball with, they all had gravestones here. My heart thudding. I moved from the crooked row, my sneakers sinking into the soft grass. I felt numb, numb with fear. I struggled to hold the light steady as I beamed it onto the last stone in the row. Ray Thurston, 1977 to 1988. Huh. I could hear Josh calling me, but I couldn't make out what he was saying. The rest of the world seemed to fall away. I read the deeply etched inscription again. Ray Thurston. 1977 to 1988. I stood there staring at the letters and numbers. I stared at them till they didn't make sense anymore, until they were just a gray blur. Suddenly, I realized that Ray had crept up beside the gravestone and was staring at me. Ray, I managed to say, moving the light over the name on the stone. Ray, this one is you. His eyes flared, glowing like dying embers. Yes, it's me, he said softly, moving toward me. I'm so sorry, Amanda. Oh, my goodness. Um, so basically, Ray is like, yeah, we're part of the living dead. You're like, what? Um, so like once a year, they must have, they, they explain that they must have blood from freshly killed people to sustain their living dead existence for another year. And guess what? They killed Petey because dogs always sense the living dead. Like, why did the dog have to suffer? It should have been the annoying brother. Anyway, on page 93, he says, um, Dogs always know, Ray said in a low, flat tone. Dogs always recognize the living dead. That's why we, they have to go first. They always know. You mean Petey's dead? I choked out the words. Ray nodded. They kill the dogs first. Girl... So Ray attacks Amanda at this point, um, but Josh saves her at the last minute when he shines his halogen flashlight on Ray's face, which caused this kind of like graphic reaction with Ray disintegrating and becoming a pile of bones. Like you, you, I, I, I know I'm reading from the book a lot, but you've got to, you've got to uh, listen to this because it's kind of like, it's kind of nasty. Um, so let, let me see here. Let's go to. Uh, we are on page ninety six. Ray cried out and dropped back to the ground. Turn that off! Turn that off! He screeched his voice a shrill whisper like wind through a broken window pane. But Josh held the bright beam of light on Ray. What's going on? What are you doing? I could breathe again as I stared into the light. I struggled to stop my heart from pounding so hard. Ray moved his arms to shield himself from the light, but he could see what was happening to him. The light had already done its damage. Ray's skin seemed to be melting. His whole face sagged then fell dropping off his skull i stared into the circle of white light unable to look away as ray's skin folded and drooped and melted away as the bone underneath was revealed his eyeballs rolled out of their sockets and fell silently to the ground josh frozen in horror somehow held the bright light steady and we both stared at the grinning skull its dark craters staring back at us oh i shrieked as ray took a step toward me but then i realized that ray wasn't walking he was falling i jumped aside as he crumpled to the ground and gasped as his skull hit the top of the marble gravestone and cracked open with a sickening splat my goodness gracious what was going on when i read this 
uh, to my grandmother. <laughs> like, was she like, oh no. Um, so anyway, this, this stuff happens. The kids, uh, they all run. They, uh, Amanda and Josh, they run home. Uh, but when they arrive, they're attacked by the, the dead children. And they explain that there is no dead great uncle and that the letter sent to their parents was a trick to bring the Benson family to Dark Falls. Um, I don't, they don't really ever say like how they selected them or anything like that. But, um, I do have to say, I love how the kids just kept kind of saying, I used to live in your house. So this this like little scene is great on, uh, page 100 where they're like, um, you know, uh, uh, hold on page 100. And I said, what's the hurry? A girl's voice said from behind me, Josh and I both cried out and spun around. Karen Somerset was standing in the center of the room, her arms crossed over her chest, but you're dead. I blurted out. She smiled a sad smile, a bitter smile. And then two more kids stepped in from the hallway. One of them clicked off the lights too bright in here. He said they moved next to Karen and another kid, Jerry Franklin, another dead kid appeared by the fireplace. And I saw the girl with short black hair, the one I had seen on the stairs move beside me by the curtains. They were all smiling, their eyes glowing dully in the dim light, all moving in on Josh and me. What do you want? I screamed in a voice I didn't even recognize. What are you going to do? We used to live in your house, Karen said softly. Huh? I cried. We used to live in your house, George said. And now guess what? Jerry added. Now we're dead in your house. The others started to laugh, cackling dry laughs as they closed in on Josh and me. Um, I said, um, I, I, so at this point in my notes, I wrote, I want a shirt that simply says, I died in your house and I want to wear it around. So when I'm walking the dog, someone, um, well, some like, you know, people and everything like that, they'll be weirded out and they'll leave me alone. But uh, anyway, if you are watching this, you can see I did in fact make the shirt. So close in the dark too. Um, so anyway, at this point, suddenly Mr. Dawes, the real estate agent, appears at the door and the dead children vanish. She tells them that he found their parents and that uh, he's going to take the kids to them. Although Amanda and Josh think he's saving them at first, Mr. Dawes brings them back to the cemetery and a gravestone reveals he is also dead. He explains to the children that Dark Falls used to be a normal town years ago. And it's kind of like a sad thing. So I'm going to I'm going to read that part, too. It's on page um, 108. And, uh, Mr. Dawes, you too? I cried, so disappointed, so confused, so scared. Me too, he said almost sadly. All of us. His eyes burned into mine. This was a normal town once, and we were normal people. Most of us worked in the plastics factory on the outskirts of town, and then there was an accident. Something escaped from the factory, a yellow gas. It floated over the town so fast we didn't see it, didn't realize. And then it was too late, and Dark Falls wasn't a normal town anymore. We were all dead, Amanda, dead and buried. But we couldn't rest, we couldn't sleep. Dark Falls was a town of the living dead. It's kind of sad. It like reminds me a little bit of um, The Mist, the Stephen King book, but, uh, but um, a little more simplified and less graphic. <laughs> um, but I do think it is interesting that they gave this like little backstory here, um, why they are the way they are. And it's not just like just just cuz so it, it makes it like a little more tragic because it's not like this whole town was filled with bad people it's just that the incident kind of turned them into that so anyway the kids see their parents um they're tied up in this like weird cemetery amphitheater thing amanda and josh manage to escape mr dawes uh after josh hits him in the head with the flashlight and pulls a chunk of skin out of his forehead nasty the sun is like setting uh, not setting is starting to come up and it, because we know that these like zombie people things crumble under the light the kids knock down a tree to light the sun uh, to let the sun shine in like it's the age of aquarius i wrote that in my notes and i feel like i fumbled it right there but um so this is when it's like supposedly killing all these living dead people and it's actually again like a fairly 
scary kind of graphic scene. So I'm just, I'm going to read a little bit of that, uh, right here um the old tree fell quickly it didn't have to far um this is on page 120 i'm sorry the old tree fell quickly it didn't have far to fall but it hit with a thundering crash that seemed to shake the ground i grabbed josh and we both stood in amazement and disbelief as bright sunlight poured into the amphitheater the cries went up instantly horrified cries angry cries frantic cries the cries became howls howls of pain and agony the people in the amphitheater the living dead caught in the golden light began scrambling over one another screeching pulling climbing pushing trying to claw their way to the shade but it was too late their skin began to drop off their bones and as i stared open mouth they crumbled to powder and dissolved to the ground their clothes disintegrating along with them the painful cries continued to ring out as the bodies fell apart the skin melted away the dry bones collapsed i saw karen somerset staggering across the floor i saw her hair fall to the ground in a heap revealing the dark skull underneath she cast a glance up at me a longing look a look of regret And then her eyeballs rolled out of their sockets and she opened her toothless mouth and she cried, thank you, Amanda, thank you, and collapsed. Josh and I covered our ears to shut out the ghastly cries. We both looked away, unable to keep watching the entire town fall in agony and crumble to powder, destroyed by the sun, the clear, warm sun. When we looked back, they had all disappeared. Mom and dad were standing right where they had been tied back to back, their expressions a mixture of horror and disbelief. Mom, Dad, I cried. I'll never forget their smiles as Josh and I ran forward to free them. And you know what? You're never going to forget all that screaming, so good luck with that therapy bill later. Um, I don't... So, okay, so the next thing is, like, I don't know... They rescue the parents, they get the heck out of this place, they go back to the house, but I don't know if it's, like, the next day or sometime later or something like that, because the book says... It didn't take our parents long to get us packed up and arrange for the movers to take us back to our old neighborhood and our old house. So, like, you just kept staying in that place where the entire town kidnapped and tried to murder you? Like, what if you had missed one of those living dead people? But as the Benson family is leaving Dead House, they see a new family in the driveway. And I do like how it kind of comes full circle with this, like, saying, um, with Amanda essentially creeping out the new family. So on page um, 122... Um, it says, here we are, kids. The mother said, smiling at them, our new house. This is the new family pulled in the driveway. It doesn't look new. It looks old, one of the boys said. And then his brother's eyes widened as he noticed me. Who are you? He demanded. The other members of the family's turned to stare at me. Oh, I, I, uh, his question caught me by surprise. I could hear my dad honking his horn impatiently down the street. This father is awful. I, uh, used to live in your house. I found myself answering. And then I turned and ran full speed down the street. Wasn't that Mr. Dawes standing at the porch clipboard in hand? I wondered, catching a glimpse of a dark figure as I ran to the car. No, it couldn't be Mr. Dawes up there waiting for them, I decided. It just couldn't be. It didn't... I didn't look back. I slammed the car door behind me, and we sped away. Ba-ba-ba! The end! So, okay. Overall thoughts, I felt like, um, honestly, like, it is, um, it is... I had I had read it before, but I feel like it's not my favorite of the Goosebump books. But um, it felt like reading uh, kind of just like a classic, like short story that just felt a little dragged out to like kind of elongate it. But I kind of I'm chalking that up a little bit to it being aimed at younger audiences. But I will let you know I have actually read uh, I am have read further ahead, and it it's not true. That doesn't ring true in the other books um, that I've read thus far. Um, but, uh, I felt like there were some genuinely scary moments in the imagery in the book, um, which was kind of surprising. There were some horrific 
kind of uh, like I feel like Raiders of the Lost Ark with the Nazi skin burning off sort of moments. Um, but uh, like me at the age of 37 reading this at 1 a.m. in the dark apartment, I started to talk myself into being scared where I'm like, no, no, my curtains aren't billowing. I don't have curtains. But it was it was this like it was the whispering in the dark and the footprints that kept getting me when I was reading this. But um, I've never done well with things at night, like things in the sh- shadows that are essentially like um, mind games that we start playing on ourselves. Like I, I do, I said it earlier, I blame the episode of the real Ghostbusters, the animated show with the boogeyman, because that episode like messed me up good for, so, uh, thank you Ghostbusters. Um, but there is an episode of the, uh, TV show. If you want to watch that, that is on Netflix. Uh, I forgot to write down which, which, um, season it's in i'm sorry um because they do um, seasons one through four and then there's specials and so like if you're looking it up online sometimes the numbering's weird like it'll say season one episode like you know 14 but episode 14 was a special so it's in the specials so it's not in the season one listing so it's a little frustrating to try and find it but um i did watch the episode not great I, I don't think I had actually seen this episode before. So um, they turned it into two episodes. So a lot of the books are just single episodes of the show. And I was kind of shocked to find out that this one was two because I felt like it's borderline a short story, like I said. Um, but they made some like really bizarre changes in it too. Like it, it definitely feels like, I mean, this is the era like we're talking like I think it was like 97 or 98 um this is Fox Kids like it's I think it was shot in Canada I'm sure it was shot with like a video camera like zero budget um so they only have what they can to work with it and there's sometimes it was like oh this is really good there's other times oftentimes I feel like I shouldn't say that the people who made the episode didn't take it seriously because it they definitely did like everybody did um but it it's like uh is the, are the people the creative people I, I just forget it. I'm not going to finish that sentence because I feel like it's going to insult somebody and I don't actually mean it to or anything like that. It's but but anyway, um, there was something uh, there was something in this episode, too, where like I felt like the background music was like overtaking the, the dialogue like way too much. I know that that's kind of a habit of that era of like shows in that time frame, because I know like um like on like Power Rangers, it does it sometimes and things like that too, where you get that big dramatic score that sometimes can almost overwhelm the dialogue. Um, but um, it's just, it's not one of my favorite episodes. I thought I had written more notes on it. I think I did and this page didn't update correctly. So I'm, I apologize. Uh, this is not a good start for me summarizing the um, uh, summarizing the TV shows, but I... Overall, uh, um, I thought it was fine. I mean, there's like a wreath in the show where it's like they're hanging up the wreath at some point and it's like kind of wards off the, the, the living dead people. And I'm not really sure. I think that was just a creative choice or something like that. They also made the parents a lot more involved, which I definitely was like reading this. I'm like, oh boy. Uh, so I, I do appreciate that. Like the finale of this is actually in their house and they're like in the attic, I think. And peeling back the um the boards covering the windows that shine on the people and and things like that so like the parents are all involved and also i do appreciate that at the end of the episode they like get in their minivan and they like drive away so it's like oh we're seeing them leave this town because that's 
like realistically what needed to happen. Um, so I don't know why they waited for movers in the book, but uh, bougie people going to bouge. But um, I do also like that the twist in the end of the show is that they find Petey, he gets in the car and then like Petey is still one of the living dead. But I think it's like the, it has that kind of twist ending where you're like, oh, Petey got him. And I'm like, good for you, Petey. So whoever read read that source material, maybe they were thinking the same thing I was. And they're like, Petey needs to come out the winner in this one. So, um, but, it, but I mean, it, it, it was fine. It was all, my thing is, is it's, it's one of those where I'm like, I enjoyed the process of reading. I loved reading it. I loved getting down and watching the episode and getting in the groove. And we have to get in the groove of it and, and, and this whole process. And so I'm happy to have done it. I've, I feel like it, I'd rather start like in the middle and then woo, like go up from there. You know, so it like I said, uh, it could be some people's favorites. It's just it, it's um, I have other favorites. It's not my it's not my least favorite. I don't think I don't even know that there's any of these where I'll be like, I don't like this one. Um, I guess we'll find out because I know I haven't read all the books. I mean, I'm pretty sure I haven't read all the books. Uh, so um, I yeah, I guess that is I'm here stumbling now over the show. I feel like I should have had more information. But um, yeah, I, I would say like watch it. I'm don't watch the show in order watch the show as we read the books you know um I what I do is like right when I'm done I I make notes while I'm reading the book because that's how I knew what pages everything was and then um as soon as I'm done with that I write my overall thoughts of the book down and then I go and watch the show that way I don't kind of get the two mixed up and I would recommend maybe doing something similar to that for yourself because then it's also fun to watch it and be like you know, why did they do this? Like, I love watching it and being like, okay, maybe maybe it's just like a limitation of where it was shot. So they can't have like, they couldn't find a, you know, a baseball field or something like that. So they have to be in the woods. Um, you know, oh, we changed the location from a house to a building, stuff like that, where I'm like, okay, there is one coming up that I am like, the creative choices are wild because it's pretty close to the book. But every now and then there's a choice where I'm like, this person wanted to put their own stamp on it. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so we will we will get to that in a little bit. For those of you um, continuing to follow along, the next next one up is Goosebumps number two. Stay out of the basement. I would like to thank everybody for joining me here today for listening. I apologize for stumbling over my words for listening and watching. Um, anybody out there, if you are watching this on YouTube and you want to uh, give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel, like I said, I'm going to try and release these as consistently as possible. However. Um, you know, things happen. So uh, if you want to just be like, you know, in the know of when it is and keep up with it or whatever, I would I would subscribe and then just like click the bell. It's not for like clout or anything like that. It's literally, I think it's just the easiest way to like keep up with it. That way you're not guessing when it's happening. Um, and then of course, if you are listening to this on any of your favorite podcast feeds, um, obviously, um, you know, subscribe to um, to the feed and it'll just automatically be there on your phone and it'll, it'll notify you that way. So, um, please feedback is always welcome. I, I love constructive, uh, feedback and everything like that. Um, you know, if you obviously want to share your thoughts with me, I would love that. If you're watching this, leave comments. If you are listening, I, I did set up an email. So it's it's the name of the podcast. Let's get goosebumps. No exclamation point for the email. Obviously, uh, not obviously, but I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if you could use exclamation points in emails. I'm not sure if you can. But um, it's let's get goosebumps at gmail.com. And of course, you can get in touch with me on social media, on Instagram, Twitter. It's Rhino, R-Y-N-O, 1185 on the 
there and, and we can chat about this. And I would love to get everyone's feelings, how you were feeling while you were reading it, what you thought about it. Did you agree with me? Did you disagree? Is this your favorite? I really do want to know. I'm not judging you at all. If it's your favorite, that's awesome. I know people out there love a good classic haunted house tale. And I think it was the correct choice to start off a series like this is go for the solid classic haunted house thing. But what's great about this is actually like, I think back on it, it's nothing really to do with the house. Like this kind of happens a lot in goosebumps. It's called welcome to dead house. And yes, everybody says like, I used to live in your house. So it's the house that they use to like lure people there. And that's it, I guess. But the story's really about dark falls. So this could have been like called welcome to dark falls or like it could have been called new in town. I'm new in town. Um, But I, so I love that because I love that sort of like little bit of misdirection where you're like, okay, well, it's going to be the house is haunted or whatever. And you're like, no, it's the whole town. And I got to say, a couple of the books do that later on as well, uh, where I'm at so far. So I think that's a lot of fun. Um, Don't judge a book by its cover, they say, but this, how can you not? It's goosebumps. Come on. So thanks again, everybody. Um, I look forward to the next episode. Uh, Like I said, stay out of the basement. That is going to be the one you're going to want to read. Thank you for joining me here. And I hope that you are all doing well, staying safe, happy, and healthy. And I will see you next time. 